You may be seated. You know, I, uh, I have, uh, have, a, have a new attitude of gratitude. And uh, with that being said, I believe that God gives us the ability to feel revived and renewed. And uh, amen. You're exactly right. <laughs> Henrik's right there with me. And, uh, you know, we, we, I just have to say, I don't know, there's so much I want to say. Sometimes I wonder why we only have church once a week. But anyhow, because I'm bivocational, so that, that makes a difference too. But anyhow, uh, you know, I'm just so thankful to be an American. And, I, and, and every year that I get the privilege of... Of being able to stand up here again, folks, we're getting ready to embark on 14 years. And when, when I sing songs like God is so good, that is one of the things that you can turn me down just a little bit more if you would, Pastor Luke. That is one of the things that when I, when I think of that song, I am healed, I am whole, man, I have favor, I am anointed. Church, I want you to just grab a hold of that and believe it. That is the premise of your faith. That is because you are a Christian. Stand tall. Stand proud because Jesus Christ, the only, only person who ever rose from the grave and who is living to give us hope to all nations. We have something to be so thankful for. And I, I'm just thankful that I get to be here. And I know my wife's depressed this morning. She said, uh, you know, if she comes, she has to watch who's going to be because that cast isn't a hard cast. And uh, we go tomorrow morning to the doctor, but she's like, well, I could turn the chair around and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, it's just too hard to get ready, do your hair and all that other stuff that takes place with you ladies. And uh, although we did wrap up her leg and she got in the shower and she says, oh, this is so invigorating. I think she was in there shouting and we don't speak in tongues here, but I think she was. So I didn't hear an interpretation, but, you know, <laughs> so she was so, but I, I wrapped that thing tight and taped it and everything else. She's like, I can't get wet. And, uh, but please be in prayer for my wife as, you know, you're her family and she likes to be here with you. And that's, that's, it's depressing. And then to think that your whole summer now is kaput because now you're either going to have surgery or put a cast on it and, uh, you know, can't keep a good woman down. So I don't think that'll keep her down, but I do know that it's, it's something that just really weighs heavy on her. She texted me when I was in my office and she said, you know, I'm just sad that I can't be there. It's just depressing. So, um, kids, you are dismissed to head to children's chapel. And as you guys take off and head to children's children's chapel, that sounded like I was down South. Y'all go down children's chapel. I say go down, but it's down the hall. And, uh, Let's take our Bible and let's hold it high and let's just proclaim the Word of God because we believe in its Word. This is my Bible, God's holy Word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Hallelujah. And uh, if you'll take your Bible and turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verses 1 through 8. And we're going to be talking about... Um, Paul and Timothy, I'm going to be setting a platform of where we're going. As you guys know, we've been doing a, uh, a series on Dare to be Different. I hope that you've been growing in it. I hope you've been taking the truths and, and moving forward with it. Today I'll have four points to this morning's message. 
I don't know how long it'll be. We'll leave that up to the Lord. But, um, but I want to start off this morning because I think it's important. And I just want to walk around here real quick and ask you, can you spare me some change? You're broke? Okay. I don't believe that. Can you spare some change, sir? Listen to that. Two people have no change. That's what I've got. We've got a penny. A penny. You know, you guys, this is, this is working well in my illustration. You, you did perfect. You did perfect. This worked out great. Do you have any change? Let me see. I want the big one. We're, go big or go home. Isn't that what they say? All right. There it is. Hey, what is that? Praise the Lord, brother. I knew that was your one-year corn. That's why just you're not going to give that away. Oh, and there we go. There's some. So, so, so here's reality. I got some change. We have the whole wallet. Oh, this, this is getting better all the time. Okay. And, uh. Okay, we got wallets, credit cards. That ain't change. Hey, Drew. And uh, no, that's all right. Who just gave me this shit, Diane? You can. Okay, let me let me just show you something here. So we started off the message, and I asked all of you, "Can you spare some change?" And so as we go around here, how often I hear people say, "There we go." Where's the offering, man? I'll just put these these in here. Anyhow, I was going to come in here today dressed as a hobo. And I was going to walk around here and ask you if you could spare some change. And the reason why I wanted to do that was because there was something that came to my heart and in my thought. And, and daring to be different, I hope that you will hear me loud and clear today. Because many of us can't spare any change. But what are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is, be the change. So as I was thinking about this, I thought, wow, that is just like our society. We can't spare any change. Because I think what you said to me, Annie, was, Pastor, I don't have any change. <laughs> it sounded like you said it just like that, too. But isn't that some of us in our spiritual life? Some of us can't spare any change at all. I am not changing. I will not change. I refuse to change. I have nothing. Don't you understand? I have arrived, Pastor. I have. Do you see who I am? Change. What is change? Why, why, why do I need to give anything? Why do I need to change? Because the Bible says old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's where change starts to take place. See, I don't want to just go to church. I want to be the church. And in order to be the church, we have to change. And so here we are. We're in the book of Colossians. And I'm, I'm challenging you to, to, to find some way to spare some change in your life. Yes, I got some change. Y'all don't have much change. That's all I got to say. So this is telling me a lot about the body of new hope. Anyhow, and uh, so let me just go ahead. And when you ushers come up, you guys can just take this change right here. We'll lay it on the altar because the Lord knows it needs prayed over. And uh, so when we start to change in our life, then we start to grow in Christ. 
See, today in our small groups, and if you haven't made it to small group, you've got to come. You know, we have, it is so encouraging. And it was, was it an encouragement this morning in small groups? Amen. Praise the Lord. And I know that we always ask, you know, certain guys in our church to, to give this small group. And today it was Ryan and, and appreciated that challenge, Ryan. Yes. And uh, I know, Patty, were you today? You were today in that class. And I know, so they rotate with Ron and Tracy. And it's just, it's interesting. And I learned from you guys. You know why I learned from you? Because I love change. If we never change, then we still stay back. And I'm going to tell you right now, there is a fence out back. But I haven't seen one horse this morning tied to it. Because I saw everybody flying in here going, man, this is glorious, this smooth driveway. I'm going to fly into my new ride. So because we change. And in order to fulfill the destiny that God has put before us, we must change. Do you want to be who you used to be? I will tell you, even myself, I love the freedom. I love the liberty. I love this church. I love that. I mean, think about it. We have changed people. Hey, man, when, when I was on that deck just to preach my little heart out, and man, that sound system that we had on that deck on 2510 4th Street, it was this big, and I don't even think it works today because we don't even have CDs. Because if we did have CDs, it would probably go... But that was on there, and the guy's mowing the lawn. But we transitioned. We grew. And church, in order to change, you have to go through the process. And this is what's taking place in Colossians. What's taking place? There's Paul. There's Timothy. And Paul is speaking to the, the Colossals, and he's saying to them, the church at Colossae, and uh, it sounds like a tongue twister, don't it? But as he's speaking to them, here's what's going on. They have... They have lost their vision. 30 years ago, the same people that were filled with the Holy Spirit, the same people that were going through this big, huge movement, now all of a sudden it's just a dead little town. And so God says, here's what I'm going to do. And uh, Epaphras is his name, who used to go there and he planted the church. But what happened was... Paul, you know, God speaks to Paul. He's using Timothy. They're going there and they're presenting now the gospel to a group of people that have lost their way. And what I find so interesting is this. In order for them to grow, they have to change. And in order for us to grow in the church, we have to change. Sometimes people will say, I don't like change. Change isn't good. Well, I know right now they don't have monkeys playing the cardian up front doing praise and worship. We've changed to, to bands and all kinds of stuff, right? And so our worship has changed. And so yet we have to adapt to that. But I'm going to tell you something. I can sing, God, you're so good, and I'll bet you revival will take place. We might start running around this church. I don't know what will take place, but you keep singing that song over and over and over and over and over. Change will take place. So now I'm going to go back to that same question. Can you spare some change? Can you spare some change? Man, when we change, we always get that a boy. Good job, guys. And that's what Paul was saying to him. He said he was giving them that that a boy. Good job, guys. Because they started to change. Watch what it says in the scriptures in Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, 
Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to stop right there. Grace is, grace is used in a number of different ways in the New Testament. But I want you to see the comparison here. Because it can refer to God's unmerited kindness on Calvary. Which brings about men's salvation, which we know in Ephesians 2.8. But it also states here the state of grace in which the believer stands. That is, his being in God's favor. I love Romans 5.2. If you're taking notes, write it down. Is it getting warm in here or is it just my imagination? Are you thankful we got the air conditioning fixed? Thank you for God's unmerited favor and uh, providing them to come here. I just, is it, so it's just me who's warm, right? So I'm having a hot flash? Okay, just wanted to double check. Number three, an unusual blessing produced by divine grace. That's what it's showing here. And then number four, graciousness or attractiveness. And grace can, as here, mean God stored up help dispensed to his people in times of need. Let me say this to you again. So he says, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what's happening. Grace here means that God stored up help dispensed to his people in times of need. Verse 3. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world. And bringeth forth fruit, as it does also in you, since the day you heard of it, and knew, here it is again, the grace of God in truth. As you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. I just want to keep reading here until probably 13. For in this cause we also, since the day we heard it, Do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. With all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Ready, church? Highlight it, circle it, word it, put arrows on it, that you might walk worthy of the Lord. And he says here, unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, and all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, or in the light. So when you walk in the light as he is in the light, you have fellowship one with another, verse 13, who has delivered us from the power of darkness, and has translated us, and the the translation means has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, the son of his love. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, and we thank you that, Lord, today we can look into your word and encourage us by what Paul is trying to say here to a group of people. So, Father, I pray that you'll give me power, Anoint me, speak to our hearts, help us to grow in you. Lord, convict our spirits today to change. 
many of us might just throw a little bit of change here and a little bit of change there. But God, I pray that you'll help us move in power and might because we've changed for you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. What he is doing, he's encouraging, Paul is encouraging them to be changed, which means changed by God. And one of the things that I think are important here that we need to see is um, what kind of people were they? What kind of life did they live? Well, first off, they were mostly Gentiles, which means that they're non-Jews. Say mostly, but not completely. Okay, so let me build a platform. The book is almost empty of Old Testament references, but they obviously had some knowledge of the Jewish books. As seen in chapter 2, it is possible that some of the believers in Colossae were even present at Pentecost some 30 years earlier. But more important than upbringing and more important than religious history were the Colossian believers. What were they like? What were, they on, were they on a spiritual journey? Paul listed four qualities, four commendable characteristics, four good job guys, that a boys, four attitudes and actions that made Paul and Timothy thankful when they prayed for the Colossians. So first of all, point number one, that a boy quality. Point number one, good job guys, that that a boy quality is also the most confusing. Paul wrote to the holy brothers, to God's holy people, to the saints. Now, what's it say in verse 2? To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. The believers, the Christians at Colossae were called saints. God's holy people. Now, hold on a minute. This is what's so weird to me. It says that they were living by the law, that they were... were listening to to visions and allowing different influences in their life that they said we're going to live by by the law versus grace. They're doing this ministry. And yet, Paul calls them saints. And saints means God's holy people. Now, before you jump too much on that, let's clarify something. They were not perfect. And some of the believers that... There had fallen to several traps. Greek philosophy, as I said, Jewish legalism, Oriental mysticism. There may have been some issues Paul mentioned in chapter 3. These people did not live perfect lives, but yet Paul called them holy. Now write this down. The word holy means set apart for God's use. The word holy means set apart for God's use. Different from the way of the world, distinct and separate from how things used to be. Don't be scared of the word. It means that God has done something. So if God sets us apart, if once we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then we should walk in Christ, that we should live a holy life, that all of the other distractions should be put aside. Now hold on a minute. Can you spare some change? I'm not changing. Can you spare some change? I'm not changing. But wait a minute. How many in this room, with a hand, want to be known as set apart for God? 
I want to be set apart for God. So what did you just do? Now, let me show you this again. How many in this room want to be set apart for God? Do this. What are you doing? You're reaching up. See the physical? So once you reach up, you start to change who you are. I remember growing up as in, in the Baptist church, and I think the Baptist church has great teachings. They really do. They're very, very uh, indoctrinated in the word. But they also are just like here at the church in Colossians where they were so legalistic. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you won't, you can't, you don't, 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 you can't. I'm surprised I'm standing up here right now because I just can't. And I had to start telling myself I can. Wore me out. One thing they failed to tell me was to be set apart for God. Set apart for his uses. Now... Let me paint a picture. Here we are in Talmadge, Ohio. Talmadge, Ohio is known as the most churches per capita in the United States of America. Did you know that? So the first thing somebody says to me is, oh, so you're going down to that church over there on Southeast Avenue. Well, you know, there's been a couple churches in there. I said. And, well, you know, they closed the doors. And I said, and, I just heard this this week. I said, time out. Can you see this look? It's a serious look. I said, that church didn't close. And the church before that didn't close. You see? God kept the doors open. We're just continuing to do the same work that he did 20 years ago in this building. That's why we're here. Because we're set apart. See, let, let, me, let me give you another illustration. How many of you know about the Nepali buying our church on Riverside Drive? So we know that, right? So they bought the church on Riverside Drive. But here's what some of you may not even know. That the church on Riverside Drive consists of members from the original church of New Hope Christian Nepali Fellowship. Did you hear they moved the church to... Talmadge, Ohio, wonder what happened. They probably had to close the doors. Do you see the look on this face again? Do you know what we did? And more importantly, what God did? God opened up our church, you people, to do the work so that now souls can be saved and lives can be changed and those that are practicing Hinduism, Buddhism are coming to know the one true God because they split from New Hope Christian Fellowship Ministries and jumped over to North Hill, Nepali Worship Church, and now they're still doing the work of the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what it's all about. So we understand when people come to me and they'll say, well, do you know that in Talmadge, Ohio, you need, do you have a lot of visitors that are coming? Nope, sure don't. But I have one. And another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. Oh, look, six, seven, eight. Every one counts, doesn't it? We don't have to have the whole community. But what the community needs to know is that God's doing something. And they need to see that. 
You know, people have said, did you take down trees in that front lawn? Did you take down that gate? Are you guys doing something on the outside of that church? We watched the tree go down. These are the little things that I'm hearing. And now they're going to see asphalt going on. You know why? Because we've been set apart to do God's work. So let's do it. We are the church. We've got to get excited. So I'm asking you a question. Can you spare some change? Can you spare some change? Until we realize, number one, that we're set apart, we won't give up anything. We won't spare any change. But over here, once we realize that, as Paul was saying, oh, despite what's going on in Talmadge, Ohio, despite what's going on in Summit County, what's going on in Akron, you're the change. That a boy. You're a good guy. Number two. The second good job, guys, that a boy, Pat, quality is their faith and trust. In verse 4, it says here, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of all the love which you have to all the saints. Wow. Their upward reach towards God. Back to that Baptist. If I had went like this, they would have just died if I'd have raised a hand. Somebody probably went up and said, Yo, man, you need to put that hand down right now. We don't even get no tap or no hand raising in this church. Again, what are they saying? Faith and trust. It's an upward reach towards God. When you start to put your faith and trust in God, God starts to do something. Their desire to place their lives in competent hands. Again, as we will see in the next few weeks, it was easy for them to want to trust in other things. Invisible. In what am I not invisible, but in visible traditions. Or in visible spirit beings. Or even in visions. But in the end, it was about simply placing their confidence in the unseen God. Church, we had faith. We trusted in God. We're not even done. Who knows where God's going to take us. But I'm here to fulfill His destiny. Hi, I'm Todd. And I'm reaching up to God. And I have a skinny bod. I don't know. Um, That's why I gave up writing a poetry a long time ago. God moved us from that building when some said, How can we afford two buildings? I don't know. But I do know one thing. God, it's sold. Thank you, Jesus. We put our confidence, our faith, and our trust in God. And, and, you know, it's so neat to see this here because if you really dive deep into Colossians and what Paul is trying to say is that it, it's so exciting because you take the realm of where we're at in America, what's going on, and, and all of the hype and the laws and we, we don't like the president and blah, blah, blah. Can you just pray for the president? Can you just pray for the president? But you know what? They don't like Pastor Todd either because some people just don't like people in leadership. Can I get an amen? Thank you. And that's just the way life is. I mean, it's true. We don't like our bosses. We don't like our parents. We don't, we don't, we don't. Well, you know what? Have faith and trust in God will change and build confidence in your life. 
And that is growth in each and every one of us. Listen, we as Christians have to step out by faith. And when the end of this marathon is over for your pastor, I will be able to look back on my life and sit down with my little grandbabies and tell them sweet little stories of a steeple that was provided for free that fit perfect on a building. How does that happen? And that God provided siding and that God provided a building and that God provided air conditioning. I saw this soul saved and this guy run down the aisle weeping and crying and getting saved and his life changed and people surrendering to preach. And I mean, it's amazing. And to think that we needed a parking lot done and God laid that on someone's heart and we're able to have a parking lot that we don't feel like we have to have a four-wheel drive. One day I thought I hit my head on the ceiling. I I tried. I tried. I brought those asphalt chippings in. I think I made it worse because I had nowhere to spread it. And I just want to commend all of you for out there just working, working in the coal mine, going down, down. I mean, I was like, most of you are out there raking and sweating like, oh, this is miserable. I go, hey, we have two choices. We take the bumpy way to church or we take the lake to the church. It's one or the other. And I don't have a boat, so let's fix this out here. So it worked. But we put our faith, our confidence in the unseen God. Number three, the third data boy quality. And I just want to say that, you know, when I think of you guys have got this and, and good job. And listen, I, I, I know that most of you can say, well, I just I don't care for prosperity gospel. But I'm here to tell you. Prosperity gospel is the whole Bible. He just said, put your faith and trust in God. Walk it like you talk it. Be careful. All right. My kids, that was for them. Anyhow, verse 4 and verse, verse 8. And uh, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. In verse 8 it says, who also declared unto us your love in the spirit. Their supernatural desire to care about others more than they cared about themselves. The only place in the whole book where the Holy Spirit is mentioned in connection with love. Circle it, highlight it. Did you know that? The only part in this text where the Holy Spirit is connected with love. Because you can't love unloving people on your own. A person needs supernatural help from God to love people who we think don't deserve it. Many of you know I have a janitorial custodial company. And in that white-collar, high-dollar position that I have, I get the great opportunity and privilege to serve people. They think they're up here, and I'm way down here. But it's okay. Because I'm a winner, not a whiner. I'm a victor, not a victim. Okay, I won't go into that message, but... This past week, I decided I was going to step our account. They complained, and they, they were saying things like, you know, in these little phone booths, they just put $3 million, I think, in this generator. It's downtown Old BF Goodrich Building, and Ryan's there, Justin's there. And they, they said, hey, we need you to get in here, Todd. What can you do about some of these carpets? Why in the world would you put in an old factory yellow carpet? They did it. Even though they redid the floors, they put them in these phone booths. And so you guys will be able to relate to this. Because, you know, some of you know the feeling of, of what it's like to deal with difficult people. 
And so here we are. I'm there, and I told the guys away. I said, hey, is there anybody downstairs in the generator? They're like, no, just a couple employees. You know, they're, they're kind of working. I said, okay, great. I'm going to bring my shampoo stuff in. And I said, you know, I know that they wanted me to come in and clean these carpets, so on and so forth, where they're all day. So meanwhile, we're over there doing it. And I'm like, okay, guys, I want you to take it down. I feel like I'm in a library down there. Do you ever feel like that? I feel like you're in a library. That's how I feel when I'm in there. So we moved the stuff and I'm in there. We cleaned everything. But the and all that stuff was just too loud. So all of a sudden I took it down and I come back and I'm, I'm looking. And all of a sudden there's a lady standing there. <clears throat> Let me, I got to get it right. Is this right? Oh, head down just a little bit. I'm like... Oh, I know that look. How many of you know that look? You guys were, I know. Some of you aren't honest right now. Can you spare some change? Just kidding. Um, So I'm like, oh, here I go. So I walk over. I'm like, she's like, how long does this take to dry? I'm thinking, and I said, oh, did you need in there, ma'am? Did you need to make a phone call or do some work? How long does this take to dry? I said, 30 minutes. Okay. Do you know these people pay money to come in here and work? And this is very, very loud. Meanwhile, do you just want to like, I just sometimes just want to fall on the floor like that cartoon character, get in the fetal position and just cry out loud laughing. Because I'm thinking to myself, why the look? Why the attitude? And who are you anyhow? I didn't even know who she was. Oh, but she knew who she was. I'm going to add the glasses. I said, who are you? She goes, excuse me, man. I'm, who are you? I am the chief marketing officer. Hi, I'm Todd. I'm the owner of Tackett's Professional Cleaning Company. Who do you work for? (laughs) Just thought I'd add that in there, you know. Well, are you guys almost done? Because this is really loud in here. Meanwhile, my hand's still here. Did you guys, you guys saw me. And my hand's still there. She won't, she won't shake my hand. Oh, she forgot who I was. I'm God's child, and I will stand there till my hand falls off. I will make her shake my hand. I, I just, and I said, oh, you are. After I got done saying who I was. Oh, well, that's interesting because your boss... The CEO requested for me to come in here. All of a sudden, the... (laughs) What happened? Now, I had two choices. And here's what's going on. Paul was saying, and, and I'm sure Epaphras probably felt the same way. Man, these people are difficult. Why does everything have to be about the law? You know what I wanted to say to her? 
Can you spare some change? Because you need to. But something hit me. Oh, but I know who my boss is. Her CEO's name is Doug. My CEO is God. And so I had to show love. And so at the end of this conversation, we still did the carpets. But I'm here to tell you that I showed her love. I showed her grace. And even though she wanted to feel like her position was up here and I was down here and we're just the lowly janitors. And she goes through this list of stuff, which I didn't even hear because I was just grinning at her thinking, (laughs) wait till I talk to your boss who just emailed me two days ago. Okay. And, uh, you know, (laughs) you know, isn't that funny? But we sometimes forget that in our workplace, in the world, it is hard. It is hard to show love to people at the McDonald's drive through when they just don't get your cheeseburger right. You ask for no pickles. Or extra pickles. And you open it up and you go, where's my pickles? And you sell the cheeseburger past them at a 900 miles an hour. My sister Tracy did it. And I'm telling you all right here, right in this church. She did that. Can you? <laughs> See, this is why I said I love our church family. Man, people are missing out here. Anyhow, so, and and I realize that it's the love of God and love for people that needs to change us and we need supernatural help. And I knew that day that my sister needed some supernatural help when we were teenagers because I saw that thing go whizzing by that lady's head and I went, oh, it's okay, twin sister. See, that's why God created both of us in the same belly of our mother so that I could kick her when she gets out of line. And that's what I did. Then I kicked her right out of there. This kind of gentleman I was. She is older by seven minutes. Don't let that kid you, though. And the last point, number four. <laughs> when it's all said and done and we're irritated. And we realize that the people that we're working with are going to be difficult. We realize that in this city of Talmadge, we might face some adversity. What seems to be good for us may not be good for them. So what ends up happening is that adversity comes up, the resistance comes up. But what we have to practice is the love of God. So that that way, we can be part of that same Good job, guys. That a boy mentality as they had there in Colossians. Number four and the last. The fourth good job, guys, that a boy quality is their hope. Verse five says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, wherever you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, is the confidence the expectation and the optimism that God has not lost control of things. That what we see around us is not all there is. And that things will get better. It's not just about heaven or how wonderful things will be when we die, but about now. That God has already provided blessings for us now. And even if, when we go through hard times, this world is not all there is. Do you hear me, church? This world is not all there is. So these good job guys, these good old boys, qualities were seen in the Colossian Christians. 
Where did they come from? Their lives were changed by the wonderful news about Jesus Christ, the word of truth, it says here in verse 5. The gospel, the good news, that same good news had been going all over the world and had been changing lives everywhere. And it was changing the Colossian believers' lives too. And that message is about what I started off with, God's unmerited grace. His grace for us. God's great kindness to people who don't deserve it, like you and like me. It is God who makes changes in us. I think of a story by Tony Campola. He writes, a friend of mine tells the story of having counseled a man who was falling out of love with his wife. My friend advised the man to think of all the ways he could make life happier for his wife and then do them. A few days later, my friend received a phone call in which the husband related the following. Every day I leave for work, put in a hard day, come home dirty and sweaty, and I stumble in the back door. I go to the refrigerator, get something to drink, and then go into the rec room and watch TV until supper time. But after talking to you, I decided I would do better than that in the future. So yesterday, before I left work, I showered and shaved, and put on a clean shirt. On the way home, I stopped at the florist and bought a bouquet of roses. Instead of going in the back door, as I usually do, I went to the front door and rang the doorbell. My wife opened the door, took one look at me, and she started to cry. When I asked her what was wrong, she said, it's been a horrible day. First, Billy broke his leg and had to have it put in a cast. I no sooner returned home from the hospital when your mother called and told me that she is coming to stay for three weeks. I tried to do the wash and the washing machine broke and there is water all over the basement. And now you have to come home drunk. Isn't that so much like us? We try to change, but it doesn't work. It doesn't stick. It doesn't click. We don't have enough willpower to, to be the people we want to be. We can change a little. A few things here and a few things there. But even most of that is external. And a few behaviors once in a while. And even in the church, that's usually our best answer. Get saved. Ask Jesus to forgive you and then try your best to obey him, right? The problem with that is that it doesn't work. You see, that's the Old Testament Christianity. Here's what we are supposed to do, and so we'll try our best. The Old Testament Jews had that much, a set of standards that they couldn't live up to. If we are no better off than the world was before Jesus came along, then why did he come to die? The gospel, the good news, the word of truth is that he changes us. It's not about self-improvement but real and deep, lasting modifications to our soul. So instead of trying to do this in our own strength, here's how it works. We need to pray. We say something like, Lord, I can't do this by myself. I'm not good enough or strong enough. I can't really change my heart. Only you can. Please help me to open up my heart and let you change me. 
And as we continue in our journey, we become more specific with prayers like that good job guy qualities. And we realize that our lives don't line up with what we say. Our actions and beliefs just don't match. So we ask God to get rid of the inequalities. Lord, I want to be holy. I want to be set apart, ready to do your will. So, Lord, I give myself to you today. Here's my heart. Here are my emotion. Here's my mind. Do what you want with me because I belong to you. And then, Lord, I want to trust you. Trust doesn't come easily for me. You know that. I like to be in control, but I want to change and to have faith in you even when things look dark and scary. Lord, the Bible says faith is a gift from you, so I humbly ask that you will give me a greater faith. And then, Lord, I'm I'm unloving. I know I like people, but God, help me because loving them is not easy. Lord, infuse me with such a love and care for others that they will know you are real inside of me. I am empty, but I ask that you will fill me. I want to follow your leading, and I know that you are love, so love through me. And then, Lord, I want to have hope and confidence within me that gives me a good attitude. When life is rough, this comes from a faith in you and need this hope. I want to show to others that you are real and you are alive, and I want to be an instrument of hope to those around me. In church prayer is so important in this process. Through prayer, we are showing that we aren't trusting in our own actions, but in the power of God available to us. And we need to keep praying and seeking. Keep praying and seeking and trusting. The Bible says that we are to be living sacrifices to God. That is, we give ourselves to God for Him to do what He wants to do with us and within us. Unfortunately, the sacrifices that are still alive, we tend to climb back down off of the altar. We give ourselves to him, but then later try again to do it ourselves. We need to keep praying. Church, we need to keep going to him. And so importantly, we need to keep learning. You can't expect exercise that you did last summer to keep you in shape this summer. Amen. And you can't expect to change me God prayer you made once to have the same effect today. It doesn't work that way. If you want to continue to grow, you need to continue to go. Listen, if you want to continue to grow, you need to continue to go to God. To get saved and then to get stuck. God has better plans for you than this. So I say this and I wrap up this whole message this morning. Here's a short story and it's from a movie. I don't know how many of you have seen Shadowlands. Anybody in this room has ever seen that? It's about the life of C.S. Lewis. In an eclipse, Lewis has returned to Oxford from London where he has just been married to Joy Grisham, an American woman. In a private Church of England ceremony performed at her hospital bedside. She's dying from cancer and through the struggle with her illness, she and Lewis have been discovering the depth of their love for one another. As Lewis arrives at the college where he teaches, he is met by Harry, who is an Anglican priest who asks, 
what news there is. Lewis hesitates. Then deciding to speak of the marriage and not the cancer, he says, Ah, good news, I think, Harry. Yes, good news. Harrington, not aware of the marriage and thinking that Lewis is referring to Joy's medical situation, replies, I know how hard you've been praying. Now God is answering your prayer. He said, that's not what I pray, Harry. Lewis responds, and I want you to listen very, very closely. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time. Waking and sleeping, it doesn't change God. It changes me. Wow. See, prayer doesn't change God. It changes me. You see, that's the point of today's message. Can you spare some change? Can you be the change? Can you, instead of just looking at the prayer warriors page, don't scan by it. Stop. Put a little praying emoji. And if you're not a part of New Hope's prayer warriors page, I invite you. If you want to, let us know. Stop and say, I'm stopping right now to pray. And many of you know that I'll put my little prayer hands or I might say a little blurb. But it's important. If all we offer is self-help group where change happens because of sheer willpower, then find something else to do on Sunday mornings. I'm not a motivational enough to change your heart, but I invite you to go to God who has the power to change us from the inside out. I want you to say this with me. Prayer doesn't change God. It changes me. Will you go to him today? Let's all stand. Father, we love you and we thank you that today we can come to you, Lord, and say, yes, we know where we have areas in our life that need to change. But every time we now reach into our pocket to grab some change, God, help us in this sanctuary with your children, your people, to remember, if I give a dime back today, could I change ten things in my life? If I give a penny back, if there was just one thing I had to change, could I be the change that would change everybody that's around me? God, so I come to you and I ask you this important question. Can I spare some of my change? Or am I too selfish, too proud, too broke, too empty to give anything back to you? So God, I pray that you'll help us to come before you to pray. To not just be a church of religious people, but to be a church, a praying church that has a deep relationship with you. Oh, God, help me as a pastor to get on my face, on my knees before you and cry out, bringing my petition and my request before you. God, I fail sometimes in my own faith 
And I realize that I'm the one that needs to change. God, we know that your mercy flows from the throne room of God. And that your blessings flow from the throne room of God. So, Father God, I ask today to change me. Use me. I want to be different. I want this church to be different. I want people to see that we are different for you. Oh, God, I come before you through your Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, who sits at the right hand. Oh, God, stir within our hearts this morning. Cause revival to take place. Bring us to an altar of grace and of mercy to change our life. Lord, to live it out for you. Move in the, and stir within the hearts of these young people that are in this room. Sometimes our pride gets in the way and we won't even come to an altar to pray. So God, are we saying that when we reach into our pockets, we pull out just material because we're empty and we can't offer anything to you? Oh, God forbid. Move us today. Stir within our hearts and in our lives. Change us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you this morning, is there anybody in this room that would say, yes, there's areas of my life I, I need change, I need prayer. Amen. Amen, amen. All over the place. Amen, amen. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that whatever that might be in their life, Lord, that your hand will be upon them, that your anointing would be on them, and that, Father, that, that you would help them to change. Thank you for your truth this morning. For, God, I know there's a great truth. Because you say it in your word. That you give grace to the humble, but you resist the proud. Here I am, God. Use me. Use us. Amen.